Blog Talk Radio. Souls on all levels and in all dimensions are on their own evolutionary journey. There is no end point, no specified timing, and no losers. Every soul goes through their own unique experiences, yet we all have much in common. The higher self's evolutionary perspective, then, builds bridges of understanding. Let's move the focus from division and conflict to acceptance and love of ourselves and others. Hey guys, it's Janet, and I'm doing the redo of last week's show. There was technical glitch for some reason. Twice I tried to set up the show, twice I thought it was set up, and it didn't play. So I luckily recorded it myself, and I am going to play back the recording for you all so that you get part two of three of the emotional body or the emotional response body. I do wish everyone Valentine's Day, and I am sorry because I think the the tone is going to be the the audio is not going to be as clear. Perhaps we'll deal with the flow this week, okay? And next week I will part three of three. So wishing you the best for the next week, and here's the show from last week. Last week I started talking about emotions, but before I continue, this, because I have two more weeks on emotions. I'm going to do a really brief review of the energetic bodies, the etheric bodies that we carry. I mentioned the higher, there are many of them, but the higher self talks about the form body, the habit body, the emotional body, and the creative body. The prior shows in this series, I did cover the thought form body, the nature of thought, and how it works. I also covered the habit body and how they interact, and I've the emotional response. And this is day two of that emotional of emotions. So I discussed also when we have an emotional response, we are emotionalizing. That's but we are emotionalizing. We're in the flow of the emotion, and we have this tendency, and I explained it last week, to target and attach whatever we blame for that emotion. So. We are an event happens. Somebody, something happens in our lives. There is some situation, condition that brings from us some sort of emotional response, whatever it is, and we attach that emotional response onto that event. Well, this way I mentioned and talked about last last week, we build these blueprints where we have attached almost like Velcro, but it isn't. It's an energy weave that attaches because we've targeted the event and attached an emotional response to an event. It's energy that comes in and really comes in and wraps those responses around the event. I'm going to explain it in just a minute a little bit more carefully. But what happens is when the event happens again, it triggers off what we've We've already responded to that event. We have built this blueprint, you see, so that when it's triggered, the same type of event happens. When it's triggered, we we just react with the same emotional responses that we've had before. We are basically in a reactionary mode. We think we have choice. We think, oh, yeah, 
we have choice. Anybody would be that way, right? Now, if we have some very extreme emotional reaction, and I think I gave this example last, but I'm going to give it again because this really helps you see what I mean. If, if you're driving and whenever somebody, hopefully it doesn't happen often, but when somebody comes and cuts you off, unexpected, and it like is you out and you react in rage to, you know, and target that driver, you know, you think, oh, that's normal. Everybody's that way. And you don't even look at the emotional response. You don't deal with it in any way. But if you get to the point where you get so frustrated with these drivers, these poor drivers, that you just have to carry a gun in the car with you so that the next time a driver does something like that to you, you're going to Happier 
<laughs> I don't know how I make those particular ones. But in this case, when an event is new, you have choice as to how you feel. Because it isn't about becoming unfeeling when we deal with, neutralize, dissolve the emotional blueprint, which I will talk about next week. It is giving us choice on how we're going to feel. So that if we are, some people, they look at the picture of snake in a picture book and they can have an anxiety attack. I mean, to that extent. And then there are people, of course, who are so fascinated with snakes, it makes they make it their life's work. And if they're in some town somewhere and, you know, a black mamba comes up through, you know, a tent and crawls over them and wakes them up, they can be exhilarated, joyful, because it's such a personal experience, up close and personal experience with a snake. Because that those are the two, two powerful extremes. And, of course, there's everything in between. And so, again, event wasn't neutral, you would have everyone feeling the same way as snakes. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example. This is a neutral event, a snake event. It gives the person choice as to how he's going to feel about it. So let's just say he's a little boy. He's born into a village. One of his earlier lives in the human, and he's born into a village and happens to be in an area where there are a lot of poisonous snakes. Now, there's not very much technology. There's not really any medicine, no antidotes for the venom or anything. So he he grows up and he has a father who, starting when he's a young age, two, three, four, he's taking him through the woods or the village, explaining to him about snakes, where they live, how they act, what to care of, what to avoid, uh, all that kind of thing. And the father is not afraid of snakes, but he is giving the boy the sense of caution. So the boy is building up caution, but he's also building up interest, curiosity, in a way, fascination, because he's learning all this stuff from his father, and he's become curious and interested and fascinated with the snakes. A couple of years go by. His mom is very afraid of snakes, okay? And one day, she takes him to the market. Before I say that, I just want you understand that curiosity has now been attached to mom, been attached to the snake event. Curiosity, caution, okay? So they're taken to the market, and they're wandering around. In this particular market, there is a venom vendor who sells snake venom for the poisonous tipped arrows or whatever that hunters use. So he's got a booth or they had a mat, something um, at this marketplace, and he's in the process of milking the poisonous snakes. He has them right there with him, milking them so he's creating products and waits for someone to come get venom from him. Little boy comes over because remember he has curiosity. He's cautious, so he comes up very slowly. But he's really never seen a snake so up close and personal as this one, and he's curious because this guy is actually holding a snake. So he's moving up. He's five The mother, who is afraid of snakes, what does she do? She oh, no. 
So as the boy is coming up, the snake bender decides to be funny. He's going to push the snake toward the boy's face and get a big laugh out of making the boy afraid. Well, he does that. He pushes it right up, doesn't touch the face, doesn't really put the boy in danger. But when the mother sees that, she screams in terror, in terror. So now the boy has added terror to his snake event. Here, he has added fear to his snake event. I'll just show you I have another little dusty poster to show you all. Now, what this doesn't show is he still has the curiosity, he has the uh, caution, he has those also. But the fear is so overpowering, and I should have added the others, because you add a, an emotional response to an event. You don't displace any of the others. You're carrying all of them. So the boy, in fact, is carrying caution, curiosity, fascination, and fear. Okay? Fast forward a number of lives. He's born into a, a society where there's snake farms. He's born into a family that has a snake farm. A snake farm, you know, it's not on this planet, I, I don't think. But in any case, he's born into a snake farm, and it's like a chicken farm. The family and sells them as food, uses them as their own food and everything else, and that's their way of living, the snake farm. The boy is born, and he meets the first snake event. What comes up? He immediately act, reacts in fear. The father who have had two previous children who weren't afraid of snakes when they were born, he finds it odd. He can't understand. There's been nothing in this life that was anything that would generate any kind of fear. So he's, he's it's strange, and anybody who's a parent knows that sometimes our kids just seem to have certain reactions to things, and we don't know where they come from. Well, this is where they come so the boy is reacting in fear, but remember, he also has curiosity, he also has that caution, but fascination. So the father, luckily, he's uh, understanding, he get upset or angry with the boy. He brings him around the farm, a little bit at a time, the boy following behind, you know, kind of afraid, and the boy's old enough to do this, kind of a little afraid. He's interested, you see. He's interested, curious what the father is saying about these snakes. Because remember, he already has curiosity attached. So what the father is doing, first of all, is he's empowering the curiosity for the boy's snake event. Because the boy is curious and he's attaching that curiosity to the snake event. So the father is not empowering the curiosity. This is a farm that snakes have a value. They support the family. They trade the food. They, they um, help support the family. And it is their peace in society as you, would, you know, can understand. So the boy starts to attach value to a snake. The kind of value of that it supports 
um, life. And as he becomes more and more interested and, and moves forward and the fear is being more and more not replaced, but there's more curiosity and interest in that taking place, and the father's really helping him see that is, they're important. He begins to add value, and then what happens when he starts to move into helping his father? The father gives him the respect and the care, and you know he's impressed and he's proud of that son who, despite his fear, moved past it and is able now to help with the family business. So the boy starts to feel good about himself, and then he's attaching all of that to the snake event. Okay. So he gets through that life. He's doing okay. The next thing that happens to me or several or umpty ump, I don't know, life forward, is born into a tribal society that have totems. Every man has their own totem. And the totem is has spiritual meaning for the clan. And what happens? He's born into the snake totem clan, okay? Now, of course, he has all of those, all the attached emotional responses to the snake, the fear, the curiosity, the caution, the fascination, the value, the, uh, you know, all those things, that, that the respect and all of that that he has gained from those prior lifetimes. But in this lifetime, there's yet another element that he's on, and that is the spiritual element. In that tribal society, the spiritual belief system is such that these totems actually give you spiritual power. And the snake totem in this particular society is one that is very powerful because it's hunters. Great ability to be stealthy, quiet, unseen, and unheard. The best hunters in the village come from the snake totem. So now this man, he has added yet another emotional response, and that is one of spiritual reverence to the snake event. So those are just four lives that I've talked about. Four. Okay. Four lives, he attached many different responses to the same event. And coming up to now, we don't know, because everybody's journey is so different, we don't know what other emotional responses he'll attach, or maybe he just empowers ones that are already there. Maybe there's no new responses. I have no idea, but maybe he goes through and he has a series of lies. Snakes were dangerous, and he adds to the fear, the terror, and all of that. Or maybe he goes to situations where snakes are, you know, distractions. <laughs> so you don't know what the situation is with his journey. But that's why each and every one of us has built up so many so many complex blueprints around these events that are actually neutral. And why they're all so different. We see that around us everywhere. But this is why, guys. This is why. 
Now, can I leave anything out? Okay, I want to briefly say that when an event happens in our life, whatever the event is, I mean, I have a friend who literally starts to crap when she sees a snake in a book, okay? When the snake event happens with her, she won't go to places where there might be a snake. So she loves to hike, but if heaven forbid there's a snake, she won't go. So, I mean, there could be a snake there. Um, and we all know that kind of thing. So when we, there is an event in our lives, and I picked a really simple one, make it clear to you. We are really, that event, that snake, is triggering what we've already attached to it. We are reacting to the events in our lives. Now, whether it's an extreme event, which we understand, you know, it's not too normal to break out in a sweat or break out with some sort of um, anxiety, panic attack, when you see a picture of a snake book, you understand at some level that it is a little extreme. Maybe you'll get help with it. But the fact of the matter is whether it's extreme or very normal, we're reacting emotionally to the events in our lives. They're actually neutral. And I know it's so hard to wrap the head around. At least it was for me when I first started. But the fact of the matter is we don't have to. So next week, I'm not quite finished. Next week, oops. I'm going to explain how to deal with the emotional blueprint, either when you're emotionalizing in the moment or after the fact, so that we can make the events in our lives more neutral. So that when something happens, instead of having this massive upheaval or massive emotional reaction, and they're complicated, you know, complicated. Your kid runs out into the street chasing a ball and a car coming. What do you do? There's fear, there's anger, there's panic, there's, you know, guilt because, oh my gosh, you should have watched him more closely. All of these things come up because these emotional events, these emotional blueprints are very complex. They aren't simple. So there are ways to dissolve them so that we don't just cope, so that we don't just and we don't just allow ourselves to be led around by the nose. Next week, I'm going to really show you how to deal with them. And there is plenty. You have everything you need to help yourself with this. Okay. But I do want to just explain a little bit how emotions work with a thought form body and that body. Okay. And I'm sure you guys are way ahead of me. You have an emotional a response or many types of response when your blueprint is triggered. What happens? You're thinking the thoughts around that. Oh my God, those snakes are so ugly. They're so terrible. They're so bad, bad, bad. You're also, every thought, you know, creates a deeper imprint. So these three bodies work together like a glove. I mean, you know, they just fit together. And they're creating the fuel that in two weeks we're talking about the creative body creative body uses the, uses the fuel to create our outer reality. As long as we allow that to be there, that creative body is going to keep creating in the outer reality without, if we've just 
that permission by not by just allowing it to be. Now we have techniques, the knowledge, the understanding to deal with it. The process is not a magic bullet, but it is amazing how much help you can get with things. I mean, I've had clients that no longer are depressed after 20, 30 years of depression using techniques. I could go on and on. I talked about the results from before, but I did want to just say, you take this. It's not enough for the information. We need to use it, guys. We're in a state of awakening. We're in a state of being triggered so that we can do the hearing, the triggers, the events trigger what we're caring about the event. If we attach, we're empowering that. So if we get covered by that careless driver or panic driver, or the reason that driver cuts off, oops, <laughs> we're going to, and we attach it, we attach the anger and the blame here to that event, we are just empowering more and more and more. Build those emotional responses. Building the blueprint and empowering it, expanding it. What you're going to learn next is that what we need to do is not match. That event, whether it's a person, a situation, a condition, has triggered us. What caused the fear? The fear was over there. That snake in picture in the book didn't cause fear, did it? No. Didn't cause it at all. That fear was already there. It just triggered fear. And yet we will now attach it sometimes, we, whatever. We could attach it to the picture in the book of the snake. Oh, snake. It's a snake. It makes me afraid. But it is the snake picture in the book that you afraid. It's that it's triggered snake event blueprint. Just like that blueprint that an architect hands the builders and said, this is the way you build us, our emotional blueprint tells us exactly the emotions we're going to feel when that event happens. We're in reactionary mode. It's like playing the button on a recorder. It plays the same thing over and over again. And every time we attach, we make it louder and louder, more and more intense. So we're going to not to attach, not to target, to neutralize. Anyway, so that's really it for today. And next week, we're going to cover the idea that there's really no new events anymore, nothing new. The only thing that's different are the details. So when a driver comes and cuts you off, they out of the blue, unexpected date. Danger has into your life. Danger, and so we react from the blueprint. But don't you think in virtually every life we've had some unexpected event that's placed us in some kind of danger? Of course we have. So the details there may not have been cars and the eyes we left, or for 99%. But that doesn't make difference because the event is not the car cutting you off. It's coming unexpectedly out of the blue and places your in danger. And yes, we've had that over and over again. So next, you're going to hear more about
also, as I mentioned, how we deal with that help those emotional response, both in the moment and after the fact. Okay? So until next week, I wish you a very, very good week. And thank you. Thank you for being part of my community. Janet is a catalytic artist, an award-winning author, a radio show host, and a healer. You can find her on her website, HigherSelfVoice.com, also on Amazon, Kindle, Facebook, YouTube, and on the podcast app on your smartphone. To reach her with questions or for a healing session, her email address is jvvmrichmond.com at gmail.com.